Welcome to Market Mentors, a podcast for the marketing leaders of today and tomorrow. I'm Fiona Jensen, a director and co-owner of Market Recruitment. For over a decade, I've been helping B2B marketeers find the best jobs with great companies. Together, we'll discover how marketing experts reach the top and learn from their experience. Ask career-related questions you can't get answers to elsewhere. Be tough, be challenged, be mentored. Take a deep dive with us into what marketing is all about with B2B marketing consultant Heidi Taylor, a speaker at B2B marketing's 2018 Ignite event and a published author of the book B2B marketing strategy. She can tell us a story or two about careers, B2B marketing and that other thing called life that happens in between. So I'm here with the wonderful Heidi Taylor in uh, Kew Gardens today for our first outdoor recording of a podcast, which is very exciting, new experience for me. Um, Thanks ever so much for taking part, Heidi, really appreciate it. Why don't you give our audience an overview and summary of your experience and how you've got to where you are today and, and who it is that they're going to get the opportunity to listen to today? Well, Fiona, first of all, thank you so much for having me on this podcast and thank the weather for such a gorgeous day so that we're able to have it out here in Kew Gardens. Um, Well, I'm Heidi Taylor. I'm the author of a B2B marketing strategy book called B2B Marketing Strategy, Differentiate, Develop and Deliver for Lasting Customer Engagement. I've spent 25 years in B2B marketing from the tech industry, software and hardware, telecommunications, all the way to professional services. I'm now a B2B marketing consultant working with B2B marketers and teams on developing strategy and plans and simply becoming better marketers. Fantastic. And you've got a wealth of experience as well to draw on to help them with that as well. So uh, it's very exciting. I think you also write a blog, don't you, as well? Which yes. Is, uh... um, I've also been blogging for years on my website, Heidi-Taylor.com, where I just work through and explore all the issues and challenges we face as B2B marketers. Oh, lovely. So what sort of things could people read about there? A couple of my more recent um, articles uh, and blog posts have been about the three enduring fallacies of B2B marketing. Beware, B2B marketing, fake news. Oh, yes. Yeah, I saw that this morning, actually. Very good. I need to read that one. That's the most recent one. I also write about um, the qualities that I look for when I'm hiring people for my teams, uh, I I talk about strategy versus plans and working with businesses. The website is Heidi-Taylor.com. Perfect. Um, So on that note, actually, talking about uh, the sort of skills, I suppose, that you look to hire, that sort of made my ears prick up because that's leading (laughs) into one of our first questions. Um, Having interviewed a host of B2B marketeers over the years, what advice would you give them to perform better when they're actually in the interview situation? Two things I would recommend. First, make sure that you absolutely prepare. Mm. There's so much information out there that's readily available. Um, 
look at the company that you're interviewing mm. with. Um, look at the entire company, not just marketing. Um, understand what the company does. Um, make sure that you can talk knowledgeably mm. about the company in the interview. Mm. That you're confident, you've done your research. That's right. The, the second thing, focus on what you bring to the table. Mm. Okay, so not just about what you've done in the past, not just a list of things that you have done and are accomplished at, mm. at but what are your achievements? What have you achieved for the business? And what is it that is uniquely you that you will bring to the role? Mm. Okay, so whether that's your viewpoint, experience, or even your approach. Yeah, it could be anything. One of the things that I always used to ask in interviews when, when I was hiring is, okay, so let's say that I've got two people, absolutely equal experience, qualifications, everything. I like them both. My team likes them both. How do I decide? And I ask them this question. Gosh, that's hard. It is hard. I ask them. So what is it that you are going to bring to this role that no one else is? Mm. It's a hard question. Mm. But the point of the question is it actually forces you as a candidate to really understand not just what your strengths and weaknesses mm. are, but what makes you special as an individual mm. that you're going to bring to the team. You know, mm. maybe it's that you bring cookies every Friday. I was going to say, that would um, probably be mine. <laughs> I like Jaffa cakes. I bring them and I eat them and I share them. I'm open to sharing my biscuits. <laughs> I mean, that's a little levity. And you yeah. know what? If somebody gave me that response that would, in an interview, that would make me laugh. Mm. And I would see that actually as a positive. Yeah. No, it's a great question, actually. It is a really good question. Um, when you're interviewing candidates, what key things do you look for? Apart from the biscuit barrel. Yeah, okay, yeah of course. <laughs> um, so, of course, it depends upon what level I'm hiring for. And depending upon what level, there will be different technical skills, mm. marketing technical skills that, that I need to make sure mm. exist. And when you say technical, what sort of things are you thinking Everything from do they know how to use Twitter? Mm -hmm. Do they know how to use Word? Do they have any video skills? Um, what I think is the most important technical skill a marketer can have is writing skills mm. because everything we do as marketers from writing the brief for an agency, even if we're doing a video, we have to write the script, mm. um, whether we're writing a piece of thought leadership or ideas, everything boils down to writing and, and the ability to communicate through the written word, I believe is fundamental for marketing. Mm. So as far as a technical technical skill goes, writing skills, hands down. I'm not so concerned about the technology mm. unless the role, role specifically is about um, executing through a specific technology. Yeah. What I'm more concerned about and what interests me more is around critical thinking skills. How does this person think? Are they able to think beyond the task mm. 
to what is being achieved by the task. Mm. The bigger picture. The, the, the bigger picture. Mm. So look, let me give you an example. I'll give you an example by telling you a story, mm. okay? I love a story. So there's this wonderful parable by an unknown author. A uh, traveler is walking along a dusty road, and he comes upon three stonecutters working in a quarry. Yes, and he stops, and he's watching them for a while, and he says, what are you doing? And the first stonecutter stops what he's doing. He says, I'm making a living. I'm making as many stones as I can. Second one keeps on hammering away and says, well... I'm trying to be the best stonecutter there is in the country. And the third stonecutter puts down his tools, looks up into the sky and says, I'm building a cathedral. <laughs> now, what I like so much about this story is that the first stonecutters are just really focused on the task at hand. Mm. The first on solely quantity. Mm. Maybe that's like lead generation. <laughs> the second has a quality dimension to mm. it. They're, uh, so they want to do whatever they're doing to the best of their ability and in comparison mm. to other stonecutters. But the third stonecutter understands the future mm. that they're contributing to beyond what they're doing in that moment mm. and derives their sense of value and achievement from their contribution to that. Mm. So this is the kind of thinking that I'm talking about. Yeah, perfect example. Thank you. Um, so if you are now looking at companies or opportunities or potential clients that you're working with, um, if you're interviewing for a B2B marketing role or an opportunity to consult, what would you need answering in order to feel confident it's the right company for you to work with or for? I always ask them to describe when I'm in, in, in an interview situation, mm. I always ask them how they would describe their company culture. Okay. And this is really, really important because how they describe it mm. is as important as what they describe. Right. Because it's, you know, and what's their body language? Are they excited or are they repeating the uh, formulaic, some sort of formulaic. Um, so our company culture focuses on valuing the human being, blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, are they really excited about how they describe their the culture? Mm. Because this is important. Are you going to be a good fit mm. once you get in there? Do your values align with mm. the corporate values? And then the second thing would be to, if they haven't done this already, ask what a typical day looks like for your role. If, mm. if you were hired, what would your typical day look like? Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm. And thirdly, look at the, looking at the whole interview process, who do you interview with? Mm. Is, it the is it HR? Is it the hiring manager? Are you actually meeting and being interviewed by other members of the team, mm. junior members of the team? Mm. For example, when I was hiring, when I was in, um, inside a corporate, yeah. I would always insist that the junior members of my team participated in the hiring process. Mm. I mean, they could, if they felt comfortable enough, they could 
interview one-on-one or maybe a couple of them could go in and and do it together the importance of that is 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 two-way first of all if it's more junior level i think um interviewees sometimes feel more comfortable asking some real life questions Mm. um and they can often get a better sense of what the role really looks like Mm. because unfortunately it's really sad but unfortunately job descriptions are rarely the job yeah (laughs) or at least the entire job one of the important things when when you're when you're interviewing is to remember that it's a two-way street you're not being evaluated as a person or even a a a marketer you're two equals trying to find the best fit for an organization for a role Mm -hmm. and the interview is an opportunity to find out more about what it's really like and is it a good fit Mm. one of the best pieces of advice that I ever received Mm. in my career was that you need to look at not just the job you're doing now and Mm. you absolutely must do it to the best of your ability but what's the next step you want to take Mm. and the step after that potentially Mm. and will you be able to get what you need to make those steps here um, so another question which has come from our audience, uh, what experience do you need to build on to make the move from manager to director or head of marketing role? Up to through manager role, uh, I think you're mostly reliant on um, your tactical ability, your mm. ability to execute um, a plan. Yeah. I would hope that you'd you've also gotten involved in the actual planning as well um, which one would hope would lead to some some more strategic thinking Mm. but one would also hope that there's marketing strategy in place there's a business strategy in place which you're all aligned to and which your plans align to so up to that point, I, I think you're overly reliant on the tactics and there there is an overriding assumption that tactical skills and tactical ability alone mm. um, will, will see you through up the co- career ladder. Mm. And you may very well be promoted based on your execution mm. abilities. Because that is still valuable to a business, isn't oh, it? Oh, of course, you without a doubt. You know, more valuable over time, the more experience exactly and yeah yeah um i mean you still have a business still needs the tactics to be executed always but as you move to senior manager director senior director cmo um your job will be more about It'll be less about the doing and Mm. more about managing the doing of marketing and, more importantly, leading marketing throughout your organization. Mm. So the skills, if you don't have them, you need to acquire leadership skills. Mm -hmm. This, not everyone is a born leader. Mm. 
You need to acquire them. Some people are born leaders, mm. but you need to acquire those skills. And they can be acquired, but mm. you need to make sure you get them. I'll give you an example. Um, I worked for a company once where... Um, and this happens a lot. Hmm. You get promoted based upon your ability to execute. Yeah. You know, a sales manager gets promoted to sales director because he sells mm. or she sells mm. and is exceeding targets or whatever. But all of a sudden, they have to manage a function mm. and might not have those skills. Mm. It is the responsibility of the organization you work for to provide those skills, mm. and they don't always. Mm. I know someone who's, who's promoted from manager to senior manager because... They, ex- they planned and executed far beyond um, their, their, their peers. Mm. But they got into a senior manager position where they were at sea. Mm. They didn't know what to do and didn't have the support of the business to learn the skills that were necessary mm. in that role. Now, that's not to say you're moving from an execution role to a managing or leadership role. I mean, I always, no matter my level, I always kept my hands in because Mm. I think it is so important, um, first of all, to stay abreast of the new technology. Mm. Second of all, gives you a buzz. And there's just some things that you really love doing. So I have to admit, I always claimed a small piece of of execution for myself. Mm. But that's that's just me, Mm. personally. Mm. but it's leadership skills and management skills, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. So focus on those when you're when you're moving up the career ladder. But also, um, there's ways, isn't there, of, of kind of learning or gaining that experience on your way up, isn't there? Oh, if, sure, if you there find is. the right mentor, manager, oh, people around you. This is one of the reasons why a mentor is so important, actually. Mm. Um, because they can often be the one who will guide you through mm. this. I mean, I I think I didn't really make the leap from manager to leader until this one particular mentor mm. that um, I had. And this mentor was not even a marketer. Mm. Um, but they were amazing mm. and absolutely... Uh, pushed me to 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 learn those skills because mm. these are skills that you do learn. Influencing mm. skills also. Mm. Um, influencing kind of comes with the whole leadership bit as well, um, because a lot of times you need to bring along with you people who are more senior to you, mm. as well as the people around you and, and at your peer level who really may not agree with the direction that that you're going and you have to be careful that you're not just a train that's focused on getting to that destination Mm. without bringing passengers along with you yeah otherwise you might find yourself there on your own that's right (laughs) or derailed yeah that's the worst part derailed Mm. let's try and avoid that um describe your perfect b2b marketing department examples of teams or uh, budgets anything like that there is no perfect marketing department. <laughs> I actually think it's the imperfections that make them most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think budget doesn't have anything to do with it at all. Whether right. you've got a large or small budget, mm. it's about the 
it's about being effective and it's about doing the right things, mm. not just doing things right. I think we get lazy if we have too much budget. Mm -hmm. um, whereas with tiny budgets, you're forced to make choices and you're forced to become very, very efficient. Mm. So don't want to talk about budgets. Fine. So teams. Um, I always, I, I have raised some fantastic teams, mm. all of whom have gone on to more senior positions mm -hmm. in various uh, industries and, mm. and companies. And part of, part of the secret is that I think I'm, I'm really good at hiring people. Mm. But also, within the team, uh, one of the things I always also look for when I'm, when I'm hiring is diversity. Mm. And I'm not just talking about um, ethnicity, ethnicity, background, um, age, religion, anything mm. like that. I'm talking about diversity of thinking, diversity mm. of thought. Mm. Because you don't want yes people on your team. You want mm. people who will challenge each other to be better than mm. they are because it's really unfortunate in so many organizations it's almost like a competition mm. for promotion and it shouldn't be that way we really need to help each other become the best that we can be and believe that that progression will happen if not, not that our our current organizations then in our future ones so my teams i brought together people with Diverse educations, diverse backgrounds, mm. um, men and women, um, different ages, different experience. And uh, when I started, when I first started um, leading teams, one of the first things that, that I did um, was have everybody do Myers Briggs mm. um, test. Mm. And it was really interesting. I did this at the suggestion of my mentor. Uh -huh. mm. And I had personally had my own Myers-Briggs mm. done years ago. I couldn't remember what it, what it was. It was as a part of who knows what it was. Mm. Um, so I, I redid my own. It was one of the most fascinating exercises that we went through as a team. Mm. Because not only did it help us understand... Um, our own behaviors and ways of thinking as individuals. It helped us understand the other members of the team mm. because anyone who's familiar with Myers-Briggs knows that you get um, placed somewhere in a grid, essentially. Yeah. And my my team was was in all in different parts of the grid. Mm. And that's wonderful. It makes for some difficult conversations sometimes. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it makes for, you know, butting heads mm. sometimes. But if you respect each other as individuals and professionals, they're, they're, you work through those. Mm. And I thought that was fascinating because I'd also seen teams where everybody is just bunched up in one corner. Yeah. So everybody is just like everybody else. Mm. You don't get new thinking out of that. Yeah. Not only that... If people are very different, going mm. through the whole Myers-Briggs assessment enables people to understand what are the, the drivers and motivations of the behaviors behind the other people on the team. And right. actually helps them work better together. Yeah. 
And as happens with teams, people move on, people move in and out. Every time I, I had new people come into the team, I had them do the Myers-Briggs, and it was just really, and, and go through the whole assessment process again as a team, just to understand each other. And it, it, it was really, really great. Yeah, and I suppose once you understand how others work, then you can appreciate how to approach them, how to communicate with them effectively, uh, not just as a leader of the team, but also as a colleague and as a member of that team. Exactly, exactly. Hmm. Market Mentors is produced by Pod Audio, a subscription production service that takes the pain out of podcasting. From advice and support to editing and production to music and artwork, Pod Audio has you covered. Supercharge your podcasting. Just hit record and let Pod Audio do the rest. Pod Audio, save time, sound like a pro. So um, thanks to your big corporate experience, historically, Heidi, I imagine you might be able to answer this one particularly well. How do big corporates justify spend on difficult-to-measure campaigns around brand and thought awareness? This is a really interesting question and opens up a whole can of worms Mm. around how we measure marketing. Yeah. I think there's a real issue within B2B marketing at the moment. We measure what we can, not necessarily what we should. Mm -hmm. We measure what's easiest and use those measures to proclaim our success, even if they're so-called vanity mechanisms metrics. I often think we measure those things that matter to marketing Mm. and not those things that matter to the business. Mm. So the question you just asked implies to me that whoever is asking that question, their um, business doesn't may not value mm. those brand awareness activities yeah. or thought leadership activities. If the business doesn't value those activities, then they're, be- then they're being done wrong. Mm. And a lot of thought needs to be done about how we as marketers go about ac- actually executing those kinds of mm. campaigns. So again, with your philosophy of talking to the business first, you can then evaluate more what they look for and how they might measure that success. Well, exactly. This is the question that needs to be asked up front. Mm. We're doing this campaign. You know, you, 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 we've agreed this campaign. It's to promote brand awareness or it's specifically around a piece of thought leadership to benefit this, this, this. Mm. What does success look like to you? Mm. How do you know if you've, what do you want to achieve? Mm. And why do you want to achieve it? And why do you want to achieve it? And that's what you measure. Mm. Just because it's harder to measure doesn't mean it's not measurable. Mm. But if we use metrics that matter to us and not the business, we have to understand what's meaningful to the business. Mm. And there are ways to do it. In my entire career, I've done a lot of thought leadership. Mm. I am a big believer in thought leadership. I have never once been asked to justify the spend. No. Because 
every single one of them that I have done in my career has provided a benefit for a clear Mm. benefit for the business and for the customer. That's never been under question. Mm. And the reason for that is because we agreed up front Mm -hmm. what the success would look like. Mm. And also you understand the customer as well as to what they're going to care about and where they're going to be. Yeah. Part of the issue with thought leadership is that a lot of it just isn't. Mm. And a lot of times with thought leadership, we think, oh, we'll do one piece of thought leadership, a publication Mm. around an issue and push that out to our customers. Mm. And that's it. I don't, I don't see it that way. I see thought leadership as being done over time Mm. in many different ways Mm -hmm. through many different channels, um, consistently Mm. and, to me, that's an and integrated with all of our other marketing activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because integrated campaigns are always more su- successful than standalone, single channel, single platform campaigns. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's about thinking more holistically mm-hmm. about what does the business want to achieve and how can we best do this. Mm-hmm. And it's never about one thing. Mm. One time, one platform, one tactic. So if you're going to do it, thought leadership, you've got to go deep, yeah, wide. Yeah. Um, and also, it's hard work. It takes a mm. lot of thinking. Mm. Now, keep in mind, you don't have to provide that thinking, that specific thinking as, as a marketer. But you need to involve um, the subject matter experts mm. within your company, whoever that, that may be. Mm. And again, it's about teasing out what really matters to the customer. Is this really an int- of, uh, of interest or is it just what we want to say? Mm. This is part of the problem. A lot of times it's around thought leadership is because somebody in our organizations wants to say something. Mm-hmm. From their point of view. Yeah. I'll give you another example. One day in that big corporate you just referred mm. to, um, one of the the, the, the the most senior people came to me and said, Heidi, Heidi, ah, oh, wow, we've, we've had this fantastic idea and we're writing a piece, piece of thought leadership and mm-hmm. you can pub- it'll be ready for you to publish next month. Okay. <laughs> Well, it was a great idea, and I didn't want to dampen this person or that team's enthusiasm. Yeah. So I said, you know, okay, great. Let's sit, sit down and you know talk more about this. Mm. And again, it's about asking questions. Once I started talking to them about what they wanted to achieve, mm. it was very, very clear that they were not going to achieve it mm. by writing this piece of thought leadership from their point of view mm. and then pushing it out there to the customers mm. in the way that we do. So instead, what we did actually took the whole thought leadership concept and turned it on its head. Mm-hmm. We actually did a whole customer engagement piece first Mm -hmm. around this issue Mm -hmm. and basically said, what do you think? Mm. And sat back and listened. And this was a whole whole day event with some very senior people in the market. And then we 
took all this information, teased out the themes, and I won't go into the detail, it eventually mm. became a piece of thought leadership, mm. traditional thought leadership as we know it. Yeah. But we began the campaign from the customer engagement piece. Yeah. And it ran all through. Mm. And the thought leadership piece was published um, almost nine months after that first engagement mm. piece. So and ran afterwards. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So and so the audience was hooked, mm. and they were engaged, and they were believers mm. Mm. and advocates way before we even published it. Yeah. And that's a different way of doing. It. Also, what we did that was so different with that one, um, actually engaged a lot of people mm. throughout the business, the salespeople in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're the ones who had the relationships with the customer to yeah. bring them into these series of events that we yeah, did. Yeah. Um, so it was another way for them to build the relationship. And to have something else to talk to the customer about, apart from when are you going to buy this, when oh. are you going to pay me? Well, here's another example. <laughs> um, so I was in um, government and public sector marketing for quite some time. Mm. And... In 2010, when the new government came in, mm. they said, "Not buying, not buying any, not buying anything. Budgets cut, yeah. blah blah blah." So, um, our customers in government, and public sector, would, would tell the salespeople, "Look, we're, we're happy to have a conversation, mm. but don't try and sell us anything." Mm. So. What did our salespeople have to talk to them about if mm. it wasn't about us and what we sold? Yeah. So, um, this wasn't the beginning. I'd actually begun it far um, before that. But um, the reality is people don't buy what you're selling anymore. Mm. They buy you, your company, your ethos. Mm. They, 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 they buy for reasons that are just not logical anymore. Mm. And they're bringing their B2C buying habits into our B2B world. Yeah. So if we can't sell to mm. our customers anymore, we have to have something to talk to them about. Yeah. And it has to matter to them. Yeah. We can't talk about what, what's interesting to us. We can't talk about football if what they're interested in is in tennis. Mm. If we like the mountains and they like the beach, yeah, um, I, I, I'm exaggerating, but mm. it has to be something that's mutually beneficial to both, and and that's particularly where the role of thought leadership comes in mm. because it it has to be aligned to what we sell, mm. but not about what we sell, yeah, and it enables different kinds of conversations with our customers. Mm. But that that's the whole crux of it, isn't it? Because the customers customers king, customers also at the pain point customer also knows what they care about and unless you're willing to engage with that you're never going to be able to answer that brief are you you're never going to be able to come up with that strategy because if you're just talking from your own company perspective you're never going to be engaging with the people that you care about most that's exactly right i mean there's when i'm talking to um salespeople about this i i, I give this example um, one of our sales teams was, was um, went in to do a pitch for, for a very, very big client mm. that they'd done work for before. Mm. Um, 
very successful work before. Mm. So they went into this pitch and they were all fired up because they they had come up with this great solution for what the client's um, challenge was. They went in and did the pitch. Oh, yeah, they thought it went great. They, they thought they won the pitch. They came in second. So they lost. Second is losing. Mm. And when they went back to the client and, and, and said, you know, wow, you know, what gives? Why did we lose? They said, well, you know what? It was really interesting, your proposal, but it didn't actually answer what we asked for. So, I mean, this happens a lot. We're just so enamored of our own products and services and our own thinking mm. that we don't stop to think about what that looks like from from the customer perspective mm. what they want to know what they want to hear and what particular problem i suppose they're looking to solve and it doesn't have even necessarily have to be a problem mm. i mean it can be um oh it, it an inquisitive mind maybe uh, well, it, it, exactly mm. it may be just more information mm. um, that helps them do their job better, a new mm. way of thinking about something. Uh, it's, it's hard without specifics. Yeah. But. Oh, tractor this time. <laughs> um, so this leads on to a, another interesting question. This is one of the most recent ones we've had, actually, Heidi, that you selected. How do you convince someone your marketing plan is the right thing to do? <laughs> Sorry, I groan inside mm. when 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 I hear something like that. We should never even be in a position where we have to convince someone mm. that it's the right thing to do. We should have already had that conversation. Yeah. Because marketing is not something that is done to the business. It's mm. done with the business. Mm. We should have already had those conversations. What are you trying to achieve this year? What are your revenue targets? What are your longer term targets? Mm. Are there new markets? What are your priorities? What kind of choices are you making? Mm. Then when you have those conversations, say, okay, what do I need to do that will help you achieve that? And you have those conversations and you say, here are the, here are the tools that are at our disposal. Mm. Um, here's some wacky things we might do. Here's some, you know, what do you, da, 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 da. Mm. What, what might you, what, what do you think? Here's what we did last year. Mm. Is it still relevant for this year? Mm. Can we tweak it so it's relevant for, for this year? Because you don't want to invent the wheel every year. No. Um, you know, is, is, yeah, is there 2.0 to, mm. to, to, to campaign 1.0 we did last year? Mm. Um, so then say, okay, you know, so you have these discussions and maybe it's a few discussions and maybe it's with a few different people across mm. the, 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 the business um, and or your marketing leadership who ultimately might have to approve the plan. Yeah. And only then do you go away and start to fashion a plan. 
and it's an iterative process. Mm. You go back to the business. Okay, here's where I've gotten to. This is what I'm thinking, and this will achieve this for you. This is how you know we're going to measure it because you already told me that this is what's important to you, mm. and then be accountable to your plan. Yeah. So you should never be asking. How do I convince them this is the right thing to do? Because you've already had the conversation. They don't need convincing. Mm. Quite right. I like it. Um, how did you make the transition from being a manager to showing that you could strategically have a big influence on key business decisions? In order to influence business strategy, you have to demonstrate that you're capable of strategic thinking. Mm. And that means understanding what the business strategy is, mm -hmm. creating a marketing strategy that's aligned to and supports the business strategy, mm -hmm. and then make those tactical choices that deliver the strategy. That's how you demonstrate strategic thinking. If you are executing tactics or doing plans that you don't know what they're meant to achieve, that will never demonstrate strategic thinking. This is a big topic in, in B2B at the mm. moment. Everyone wants to be strategic. Mm. Everyone wants to influence at a strategic level the wider business. Mm. But there is a fundamental confusion between strategy and plans. Mm. I work with a lot of marketers. When we start to talk about strategy, they, they go, wait, I've got a marketing strategy. Here it is. And they hold up their marketing plan. Mm. They even go so far as to say, I have a strategic marketing plan. Mm. Because we all want to do strategy and appear strategic. Yeah. But... You can't have a marketing, a strategic marketing plan if you don't have a strategy in the first place. Yeah. There is a fundamental confusion between strategy and plans. Mm. And if we don't understand the difference, then we will never be able to influence at a strategic level within the wider business. Mm. I'll explain specifically the difference between strategy and plans mm. by first telling you another story. Okay. So when, when I was little, I loved Rudyard Kipling's Just So mm -hmm. Stories. Now, we all know now they're a different time and a different place. But some of the messages are still really, really relevant today. Mm. And one of the stories that I always loved was called The Elephant's Child because it's basically about curiosity as mm. being essential as we explore the world, learn new things, and develop new abilities. And there's a poem in the story that goes like this. I keep six honest serving men. They taught me all I knew. Their names are what and where and why and when and how and who. And these questions, what, where, when, why, how, and who, are the essential questions we ask, whether we're children or adults, as we explore our world, as we learn new skills, everything. Mm. And these are the six questions that separate strategy from plans. Mm. Strategy is about asking and answering why, where, and how, mm -hmm. 
And plans are about asking and answering who, what, and when. Gotcha. Okay. Strategy is about outcomes. Mm-hmm. Plans are about outputs. Gotcha. And until we start delivering outcomes for our business, mm. we will never be able to demonstrate that strategic thinking we really crave. Mm. Lovely. That's a really, really great answer. Thank you. Really thorough. You're welcome. Um, what technical skills are needed to jump to director position? We sort of touched on this before. Yeah. I, I would say again, I, I would not worry about the technical mm. skills. You should have already acquired all the technical skills you need mm. by the time you're making that leap. Yeah. Being a director and above is all about leadership, pure and simple. Yeah. So I would say by the time that you get to director level, Mm -hmm. you fundamentally need to understand what drives and grows your business. Mm -hmm. You need to fundamentally understand what is important and relevant to your customers. Mm -hmm. You must fundamentally understand how and what data impacts your ability to make the right decisions. Mm -hmm. And alongside ideas, new thinking, and design, this is what makes great marketers. And these are the marketers that make it to director level. Perfect. Um, how important is it to have a marketing mentor and why? I think it's critically important to have a mentor. I, I would suggest it doesn't necessarily have to be a marketing mentor, mm-hmm. but I absolutely suggest a career mentor. Mm. The reason why is these are the people who will challenge you. They will push you outside of your comfort zone. They will give you the benefit of their their own experience. Um, There'll be a sounding board for your ideas, for your frustrations, as well as your celebrations, Mm -hmm. all of which you may or may not be getting within your own organization. Mm -hmm. I... um, If you have a marketing mentor, I would suggest that they're not within your own organization. Mm. Only because that person won't really provide you with any kind of new thinking. Mm. You'll only get the same thinking that's been prevalent within your organization. Mm. Um, And I think one of the the roles of a mentor is to help you get to new thinking. Mm. My mentor absolutely made me do do things I did not want to do. Mm. I mean, I did them, of course, but I really didn't want to do them. Mm. You know, way back when in my career, um, when uh, at a very junior level, and uh, my manager had asked me to lead the team meetings. Mm. Oh, did I not want to do that Mm. at all? I'm... Believe it or not, I'm I'm somewhat of an introvert, mm-hmm. 
and I really hate speaking in front of other people. Oh. Can you believe no, it? No, I can't. Um, <laughs> once again, that, that does explain the blog around you know how to overcome your fear of public speaking. Oh, that speaking. explains that Absolutely. that blog post because again, I mean, I do public speaking. I originally started doing it just as a way to stretch myself professionally, mm. and now it's become a core part of of what I do, mm. a p- core part of my business. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that was really outside of mm. my comfort zone. And, um, if I didn't have people around me who were, were giving me good tips and, and good ways to, to, to become, mm. to become better at it. Um, oh, I would have been so awful. Um, what advice have you received from your mentor that made the most impact? So the, the most impact, um, without a doubt, be very clear that you need to do the job you're doing mm. to the best of your abilities, mm. but always have an idea of where you're going next and where you might go after that and make sure you're getting now what you need to take those next steps. Yeah. So that sort of longer term strategic view again. Exactly. Be a str- Why are you doing it now? Exactly. Be as strategic with your own career mm. as you will with marketing. Mm. Okay. Uh, now, I have to admit, there were times in my career where I just fell into a role. Mm. It happens. Mm. Luckily, I've had an amazing career. I've traveled the entire world yeah. on the company dime, you know, because yeah, yeah. of it. Experienced some amazing things. But I think we're very lucky to have you in Britain, and I'm very pleased to say that Heidi does not plan to move any further. So oh no, <laughs> I'm here forever. Oh no, despite <laughs> the accent, this is home. I'm never going anywhere. Um, it's. I just think if you don't have have any kind of plan. You won't ever get there. If you mm. don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. So when I first moved to from the United States to Britain, um, so, so, so let me let me step way back. Actually, mm. when I I actually my early career marketing was a career change. Mm. I was an artist. Ah. My whole undergraduate degree was liberal arts, mm. and there was a point when I turned 30 that I realized there were life changes and I thought, oh my God, I've got to go to work. Mm. Got to get a real job. (laughs) So I decided I wanted to go into marketing because Mm -hmm. I thought that was a way that I could use my creativity and my slightly oddball way of thinking, you know, within a business environment. Mm. And then I thought, okay, if I'm going into a business environment, I need to find out what business was, is all about. Mm. So I went back and got an MBA. Yeah. I still remember I worked three jobs and, oh, yeah. the whole bit. It was, it was tough. Yeah. Um, because keep in mind... It's one of the it, hardest things to do, actually, yeah. isn't it? In America, you, had, you, you paid for your education. Yeah. Nothing was free like mm. it was here up until this, this generation, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then when I when I went to work, my, my first job actually was as I, I think I was called a marketing associate. Mm-hmm. I was the only I was the marketing department <laughs> um, with the Latin America subsidiary of this software company, which was based in 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 that that California mm. office. And so 
Yeah, the company I, I joined first basically took me to Latin America. Mm. Even though I was based in America, we were back and forth managing resellers. But when it came time for my next move, I joined a company specifically because I believed they were growing and that their next move was going to be to expand into Europe. Mm. One year after going to that company, they did indeed open up a European headquarters in the UK and transferred me over to build a they wouldn't have called it EMEA then, mm. but it was a, a, a European marketing function. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, I was very clear for a long time on where I wanted to go. Mm. And then, of course, the, the whole dot-com bubble burst and shook everything up. Yeah, that's but, one word for it. But also, even when I was um, thinking about becoming a consultant... I knew a full five years before I became, I actually left corporate and Mm. became a consultant, that that was what I wanted to do. And I took the steps that I believed would put me in a position so that I would be successful. Mm. In other words, um, expanding my network, um, uh, entering external awards, Mm. speaking at conferences, etc. Yeah. So even though certain individual things might have felt like I just fell into them, mm. I did kind of, I, I, I kind of had a plan mm. and was very clear that whatever step I was taking was going to give me back something that would bring me a little closer. Mm. Towards now, the end goal. Yeah. And of course... The goal changes over mm. time. You get older, your ambitions change, the things that you want change. Mm. And that's fine. Plans are meant to be flexible. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to have a direction. Life changes. Mm. You know, we have to be 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 flexible. Mm. You know, there's an old saying, you know, life is what happens while busy making other plans. Yeah. But if you're ambitious mm. and want to move up that career ladder, Mm -hmm. that career progression, then you really have to understand what are the steps that you need to take to get there. And it may be different in every organization. Mm. Yeah. So understanding what that is in that particular organization is Mm. essential. Mm. Perfect. Um, How to find a marketing mentor when you are already the most senior marketing person in a business? Well, obviously, you go outside your business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I have found that the most successful people, the most uh, the most successful and busiest people are the most generous with their time. Mm. So, is there somebody you've heard speak at a conference that you admire? Mm. Join a networking club. Mm. There, for B2B marketers, there's the Business Marketing Club, which meets yeah. on the first Tuesday evening of each month mm-hmm. at a pub near Monument, mm. and where you know we discuss a different co- topic that's challenging. They're, they have a mentor pro- program. Mm. Look at what um, you're doing here, Fiona. Yeah, yeah. This mo- whole market mentors mm. program. You, you can probably hook people up with the appropriate mentor. Mm. And it's important. I say appropriate mentor. Mentors are like like new boyfriends and girlfriends. (laughs) They don't all work out. Mm. (laughs) And it's important to get on with someone that understands 
what your own objectives mm. are with having a mentor and ensuring that they can provide that. Mm. Perfect. Um, so this is an interesting one, actually, uh, with even heaps of preparation, coaching and development, a move to a more senior role, uh, this candidate's about to, or this client's about to move to a senior manager, or from a senior manager, sorry, to head of. It can still feel daunting. And peers in a similar position have likened the first few weeks as winging it. What advice could you offer someone moving into a senior position? Um, Whenever we start something new. It's a new learning curve. Mm. Learning always feels out of our comfort zone. It always feels like a stretch. It always feels like we're winging it or even faking it. And we start to doubt, oh my goodness, can I really do this? That is all a natural part of progressing. And if you don't feel that way, then it's not the right job. It's not progression. It mm. means you're just doing the same thing that you were doing before. Yeah. So I would I would just say, don't be frightened of it. Mm. Embrace it. Mm-hmm. And once again, don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm. People love to talk about themselves. Mm. Ask questions. Go in. Tell me about your business. Ask your boss. What do you expect from me? Mm. You know, what... Uh, what will my success look like to you? Yeah. Go to your peers who have made the, the, the that leap mm. and just ask for their reassurance because most of the time, if you're making that step, mm. you're well qualified for it. Yeah. Because it is a big, big step from mm. senior manager to director. Yeah. And um, I, I would hope that you've been promoted for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have to retain your belief in, in that mm. and just one step at a time. Although there's a couple of practical things that mm. I could say, just like, just like with, um, politics, mm. doesn't a new prime minister or, or, or president go in with their hundred day plan. Yeah. D- do your, your hundred day plan. Mm. This will give you some grounding. What do you want to achieve over the first 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? Mm. And that will give you a grounding and help you feel once again that, that you're not just winging it. Mm. I always say go back to basics. Mm. When, when you're, you're, you're feeling all over the place, go back to fundamentals. And again, it's all about what am I trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. What are my priorities? How do I do that? A plan is great. You don't have to stick to the plan. But as a person who loves ticking things off a list, mm. um, it can just ground you when you when you may feel really, really nervous. Mm. But I, w- I would say this. If you put together, say, a 30-day plan or 60 or 100-day plan when, when you stepped up, yeah. agree it with your senior stakeholders. Yeah. <laughs> Get everyone on board. Make sure mm. that what you're doing is, or, or that you want to do mm. um, is aligned with what the business thinks you're going to do. Mm. And if they're not, ha- have that discussion. Yeah, figure it out at the start rather yeah. than find out 90 days oh, later. No kidding. <laughs> and sometimes you may have to swallow. Mm. You say, change doesn't have to doesn't happen overnight. If you are actually going to affect change, if that is one of your priorities, mm. 
or goals or objectives. Um, it may be that for the time being, you have to tick things. Things have to keep ticking over the mm. way they've always been, as you start to put in place whatever it is you need to put in place mm. behind the scenes to make that future reality happen. Yeah. My my best advice for a new person: <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Mm. Spend the first thirty days just listening. And asking questions. <laughs> There you go. That's yeah. the first piece of your plan or strategy, yeah. all set for you behind exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Listen, ask questions for the first thirty days. And any any additional help you've got to ask Heidi directly. <laughs> um, with pressures of general life, how do you manage the work life balance, and how important mm. is that in today's society? Yes. Uh, Work-life balance, mm. hugely important. Mm. You know, it, it's hard talking about it because work-life balance implies that work is actually a hardship, mm. a chore, something we don't enjoy. I would hope that most of us actually enjoy what we do. Yeah. However, having said that, no matter how much we love what we do, mm. no matter what industry we in, we're mm. in, no matter what role we're in, I think it is super important that we have something outside of work that is just our own, yeah. completely separate. Mm. And, you know, you have to decide what your balance is. It's yeah. not necessarily, it doesn't have to be 50-50. Mm. It's whatever the balance is. But whatever you decide that balance is, set your parameters from the start. Mm. So, for example, um, in my last role, I turned my phone off, my work phone off, at 7 p.m. every night mm -hmm. and didn't turn it back on till 7 a.m. the next morning. Mm. I turned it off on a Friday at 7 p.m. Or actually, I may have turned it off at 5 p.m. on a Friday mm. and didn't turn it on again until a Monday morning. Mm. When I went on holiday, no phone, no laptop, no nothing. Mm. And I set those parameters right from the start. Mm. One of the things that's hardest is somebody comes up to you and says, oh, I need this. I need you to do this and I need you to do it right now. Mm. Stop that in its tracks. Yeah. So if somebody came to me, for instance, at 10 to 5, no, sorry, it'll wait till tomorrow. Mm. Can it wait till tomorrow? And they say, no, no, I need it right now. <laughs> that no, no, I need it right now, people may feel like it's urgent in the moment, mm. but it rarely is. Mm. We're marketers. We don't do brain surgery. We yeah. don't save lives. Yeah. That's true. That's the reality. Mm. Don't just, it's important to not just say no, mm. but to ask questions to better understand the context for it. Yeah. Because if you better understand the context, then you can understand um, how how best to either say no mm. or to put it within a reason, more reasonable time frame. Mm. Because always, if you're doing one thing, it means you're not doing the other. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of times... You have to prioritize. You have to you? prioritize. Yeah. So... Somebody comes and says, oh, I want to sponsor this. Mm. Okay, well, we've already allocated our budget. What do you want me not to do in order to do this? Mm. How does this help you achieve what you're trying to achieve better than this one? Yeah. Again, it's about asking the questions mm. and understanding the context mm. for the conversation in the first place. Because, again, we don't... We don't necessarily know what's m most important to the business always. Yeah. Yeah. Th things change. Mm. 
priorities change. Priorities customers change, change. Customers change. The commercial yeah. environment changes. Mm. Um, this is why it's so important to have an ongoing dialogue um, with, with the business. And here's another issue that a lot of the bigger companies have. So the smaller companies, it's really great. Um, you know, you sit in an open plan office, mostly open plan mm. office, that's maybe the size of a large house yeah. and you're all on the same floor and you know, you're within shouting distance of each mm. other. You see everybody come in and out all, all, all levels, all job titles, mm. etc. You know, you hear about the big wins right away. You hear about the losses in larger organizations. I actually write about in this in my book, mm-hmm. Dave Stevens actually gave me, um, an example to use. Um, he, um, he, he, he chairs the business marketing club okay. um, and he is the CMO of British land. All right. Lovely. So he told me about a previous um, organization, a very large, mm. very, very large organization and his first day as marketing director. Mm. So he goes into this big, gorgeous, new, glossy, shiny, state of the art office, mm. goes into the huge reception, goes up a lift that takes him up to eight floors Mm. and he goes into the CEO's office, um, across the floor goes into the CEO's office, which huge corner office, sweeping views of the Mm. Thames has a great, um, has a great conversation. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah. He gets on the agenda for the next board meeting. Yeah. Yeah. Things are going great. And CEO says, great. Welcome aboard. Glad to have you here. And he says, great. Now off to meet my team. Okay. So, he exits the CEO office, CEO's office, walks past the CFO, walks past the COO, walks past the PR team, walks past the head of comms, walks past the head of business development, goes to the list, goes down one floor, goes down another, and another, and another, and another, and another, and another, and another until he gets to the ground floor walks out through the barriers, past the um, restaurant, past the toilets, through the doors, down the street, takes a right, takes a left, goes into an old dilapidated building, up three flights of stairs, where his marketing department is hot desking with some other department on one floor. So... The point being, marketing was so removed yeah. from the day-to-day business and the people that they were supporting. Yeah. His team rarely left their desks. Yeah. How can such a team... Well, they were team... hot desking. They would, probably wouldn't dare in case they wouldn't have a desk when they came back. <laughs> so they never um, really had a chance to make an impact on the business. Mm. So it is so important to, to have a dialogue going. Mm. It is so important to wherever you physically sit, your salespeople, your business people, you see them coming and going. Mm. You know, you can catch them at the coffee station and have a cup of coffee and just chat. What so what's new? Mm. Um those those are the kinds of things that make so much more of an impact than you'd ever believe. Mm. Great advice. Um, what's the most valuable lesson you've learnt in marketing straight business and how did it come about? 
I think there are two lessons that have been most valuable with, for me throughout mm. my career. And the first one, and I've touched on this before, is the importance of asking questions. Mm. We have got to get out of ourselves as marketers and our focus on what we do mm. to really understand our customers and the business. Yeah. And this is related, but I'm the kind of person, I'm, I'm such an, uh, a high achiever. I get an idea. I want to be like that train. I just want to go, mm. and I want to drag everyone along with me. Yeah. Most organizations, that behavior won't work. <laughs> and I learned that the hard way, mm. where, you know, I'm pushing, pushing, pushing towards a, 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 a destination mm. and nobody's coming along and I can't, can't believe it. Mm. And I, I didn't, I didn't understand at that point in my career that you have to bring people along with you. Mm. And this is fundamentally the, 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 the essence of marketing. Marketing does not happen in a vacuum. Mm. And sometimes it is very easy to forget that. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Did I answer that? Yeah, really good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Two biggest lessons, clear and delivered. Okay. Um, with social technological changes set to continue apace, what do you think an aspiring marketeer should be learning now to be in the best position possible to add value to business in five to ten years' time? In five to ten years' time, it's likely our commercial landscape will look very, very different. Mm. Economically, technologically, environmentally, mm. everything. The best thing that we can do as marketers now is absolutely, positively learn understand and know at the very core of our being the fundamentals of marketing mm -hmm. because these fundamentals will not change mm -hmm. and in times of change in particular it is more important than ever to go back to basics because basics asks the basic question why are we doing this mm -hmm. where are our priorities where will we succeed? How are we going to get there? Who are our customers? Mm. What are we going to do and when? Mm. And I'm forgetting one of the five W's, but I can't remember what it is. Um, but, but again, the, the, these are the basics mm. of, of marketing. Yeah. And no matter what changes, this will always bring you back to the right place. Mm. Because technology is not the challenge. Yeah. There will always be new technology. Mm. If you think back to the transition from word of mouth mm. to newsprint, yeah. radio, television, the telephone, mm. and alongside the personal computer and the smartphone, mm. and then broad adoption of the internet and our social platforms, yeah. technological change just gets faster and faster and faster mm. to the point where we're, we as marketers become overwhelmed by it. Yeah. But technology is not 
the challenge. We are marketers. We evolve. We adapt. Mm. And we adopt that technology and those tools and these platforms which help us do our jobs better. Mm. But our jobs are fundamentally the same. It's about building, maintaining, and protecting our <coughs> brand. It's about generating the demand that will sustain our businesses. And it's about fundamentally understanding our, our customers mm. through customer insight and engagement. That will never, ever change. Perfect. Um, what is the most valuable marketing skill you can have? I still believe that the most valuable marketing skills um, are, are writing skills mm. because everything involves writing in some form or another, whether it's an email, whether it's a text message, um, a script for a video, uh, an agency brief, website copy. Um, even a marketing uh, plan has to be Even a marketing plan. Um, and I'm continually surprised at the poor writing skills um, throughout the marketing profession. Mm. Um, poor grammar, misspelling, lack of understanding of, of words, using mm. words that are fundamentally different interchangeably, strategy and plan being mm. a case in point. Yeah. Um, what, one of the reasons why I think writing skills are so important also, writing skills also help you structure your thinking. Mm. I think you will become a better thinker if you are a better writer. Mm -hmm. And also one of marketing's core Jobs, not jobs, but 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 one of the the skills that every marketer will need over the course of their career is influencing skills. Mm. These influencing skills, these are words. If we don't know how to express ourselves and communicate with other people, how are we going to be able to communicate with our customers? Mm. And writing is, I think, the best practice for learning that. Perfect. Okay. Um, leading straight into what is the book you recommend the most for B2B marketeers today? Oh, of course, that has to be my book. It's got to be your book, hasn't it? It has really? to be. So it's called <laughs> B2B Marketing Strategy yeah. uh, Differentiate, Develop, and Deliver Lasting Customer Engagement. Mm -hmm. It's published by Kogan Page, and you can find it on Amazon everywhere. Yeah. Um, great reviews, by the way. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I have gotten really great reviews, mm. and I've also just had some very exciting news from the University of Southern California's MBA program Fantastic. this autumn. And I will be uh, guest lecturing for mm. that program. So that's very, very exciting. Another new experience for you as yes, well, isn't I it? Know. Lecturing. Oh, I know. Public speaking and podcasting and now lecturing. Whatever all, next? All put together. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, who knows where things yeah. will take you. It's just really, really interesting mm. um i mean i think there's some really important lessons in there from for marketers mm. i think um you know my my, my worldview of marketing isn't always in step with everyone's else's i mm. have some really firm beliefs around where i think marketing needs to go yeah. and the things that we need to do to, to get there mm. and there's pushback from some people around that and mm. and that's fine um not everyone wants to 
be a CMO or mm. a VP. And you know what? That's fine. If you just want to be a delivery person using all this cool technology and whatever, mm. that is perfectly fine. As a marketer, you will never get bored because there will always be something new out there. Mm. Your skills will be in demand. You'll earn high pay because of it. You know, so it depends upon what you want from your, your career. Mm. Um, and the foundation of my book, like its title, I think strategy is the foundation for everything, mm. whether it's marketing, whether it's your career, whether it's life. So I would recommend my book. So do we, definitely. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, so I suppose, um, apart from recommending your book, what parting words of wisdom or advice would you share with our audience? What sort of long-lasting advice would you say? So earlier in the podcast, I, um, I told the story about the three stone cutters. I would suggest that as marketers, we really need to get to grips with developing our marketing strategy because strategy is the foundation for everything. A plan on its own will likely achieve some short-term targets, but without a strategy to guide it, we'll never get where we want to go. And like the three stone cutters, strategy gives us our cathedral that future that we're working for and an understanding of how what we're working for is helping to build that future so we must keep our sights on the cathedral and not get lost amongst the stones what a fantastic end to the interview. Thank you ever so much for your time. Thank and you. It's been fun. And experience. Oh, thank you. So there you have it. Career advice from a real marketing expert and leader in the field. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please leave us a review in iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback.